The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Fridays here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herd at Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark in as we get you into a football weekend. No Nebraska, that's all right. Plenty of recruiting to hit on the hardwood and, yes, the football field. We'll talk about it. Jacob Padilla coming up from Hale Varsity in about 20 minutes or so as He'll be in route to cover Nebraska volleyball. So we'll talk with Jacob in hour two. Uh, Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor, get his uh, weekly visit. Excited to talk to Bill. Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, formerly a Hale Varsity, with Saturdays out west now. We'll get a full Pac-10 slash 12, forgive me, preview. Uh, before we uh, get you into the weekend. And then Clausburn and the Friday forecast. Gets going at 540, 489-1240, 489-1240 to dial us up, 800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com, and also contribute, comment, be part of the show with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Also can rewatch the show, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed, give that a follow. Find Elijah on Twitter. And he's uh, a good follow, really good content, and oh, you're just some that. bits of humor as well at Herbal Essence uh, for Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. I got the humor. He's got the underscores. He's got the underscores, <laughs> and, and I just try and them. keep you interested at Schmidt underscore radio. Fellas, how we feeling going into the weekend? Going to be weird to not be doing something football related with Nebraska that's okay I've got the the day planned out no I am not going to go Frank the Tank tonight with uh, keg stands Uh, I will find something to do we've got the weekend edition tomorrow morning early so I'll behave myself I know you got a football game Connor and Elijah you're going to well be headed to the sports book or were you talked off the ledge there let's make one thing clear here it was a joke I I in my right mind would not bet Indiana to cover a 33-point spread. I will say, I will say, if I had to err on one side of the two, I would err on the side of Indiana covering that 33-point line. I would not put down my entire paycheck on that. Maybe I'll make a trip over there and throw a little parlay down with Oregon to cover a three-point line as well, because I like that. We'll get into that in the Friday forecast here in just a bit. But I'm not stupid enough to hedge my next couple of weeks of being able to live on Indiana going and covering 33 against Michigan. Can can we talk about something real quick? Yes. Why is that game big noon? Like because they have no other options. It's, it's ridiculous. I like put my high school game on big noon tomorrow. I would have liked to see Wisconsin, Iowa, big noon kickoff, but the rest of America would not agree with me. you, You can't, here's what's happening. The folks in L.A. at Fox are like, well, here's the best Big Ten game we have. It's a Big Ten West game, and it will set football back years and years and years. (laughs) So we can't show America that. It's just so, like, You can't make Washington and Oregon 
I, you lost that tier battle to ABC. It, they, it, they wanted that game. They got that game. It's funny just watching like the playoffs for baseball, and then all of a sudden the big noon ad comes up out of nowhere, and it's number two Michigan mm-hmm. and Indiana. No, no offense to Indiana, but like we all know who's going to win that game. No, it's no. Uh, it's number two Michigan. They're playing a football game against somebody. Let's against not talk somebody. about that <laughs> on the road. I believe no, too. It's at home. It's at home. Okay, good. I mean, it's it's just going to be. But the point in reference here, and this will get us into a little bit of fun on Friday. What's the worst bet you ever made? What was it, and and what did you have to do to to pay up? And I've got a couple in my back pocket. I was a, a witness to one. I was not the one making the bet, thank God. I'll get there in a minute. But I, there, there was going to be a Sopranos-style intervention where Christopher uh, got confronted by Tony and the family about his drug use, and uh, then it turned into a, a, a brawl. <laughs> uh, look that up on YouTube, you two youngins, if you're not familiar with the Sopranos or aren't as locked into Soprano lore as I am. But if, if Elijah was, I was halfway tempted to call him. I'm like, brother, are you really driving that direction? And did you take the hammer to the piggy bank? You're going to show up. You're going to put it all down and say, give me the Hoosiers and the 33. <laughs> I was going to say, we got to talk, man. Give me the Hoosiers or give me death. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, the beautiful reference point was you clipping the video of, of <laughs> Coach saying, if we die, we die with, with rule that's, that's made the rounds. Well, and it was, it was a, I mean, Nebraska <laughs> fans are hair on the back of their neck standing up. They love that clip that's out there on social media right before the Northern Illinois game. And <laughs> you just plaster that four seconds of gold yeah. up there and you're saying, I'm all in on the Hoosiers. It's like, look, we talk to enough gambling aficionados around here that there's a there's a way to read between the tea leaves and maybe just some off-air discussion. Who do you like? That's what they do to pay bills. And some folks, are there, there's a skill to it. Uh, specifically if you're great at, uh, at Hold'em, right? And we were going to have to have a talk. Your money, your life, love you much, but no. Now, your logic is sound where if if you're going to that, – that's a lot of points. And the real key right now is well, what kind of heart does Jim Harbaugh have in the second half well, yeah, towards Tom Allen? I see it as a game where Michigan can go out there and, you know, even having an off day – not really wanting to play Indiana, they'll probably have a 28-point lead at the half. And you pull your starters <laughs> and your backups go in and maybe score a touchdown, and then Indiana gets the backdoor cover. Like, I see this as like a 34-10 to 10 football game, which so, is a so, convincing win for Michigan by all accounts, but it'd be the backdoor cover from Indiana getting that late touchdown. That's how I see it happening in a game where Michigan's a little disinterested. Vegas is pretty good. We were I was, even staking I, a beer I, last night on the I Broncos-Chiefs felt- game, and Oh, I said, I'm like, either the Broncos win or it's a blowout. Guess what? Vegas was right. Ten and a half points was just about on the money but with the 11-point win. But I tell you what, and I thought, and I said last night, if I had money to burn, I would go put it on Denver. My reasoning being is Kansas City's offense just hasn't been playing that well. So that they can't go off, what? Yeah. Scott has his worst bet of all time. We'll get to that in just a second. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, uh, so I was like, okay, I think Denver covers this. I just And they could have, should have, would have, but you had two bombs from Butker that were the difference. 
and and Russell Wilson had another horrible night. So I'm glad that I I was expecting an intervention from you had I marched out the door with a G in my hand to go put it on your Denver Broncos. I didn't. I don't bet that often, if, if ever, really. But the worst bet that I saw someone pay up, and this, there's so many forgettable stories about grade school, but there's a guy that got into an argument, and it was straight out of the scene from a Christmas story where there's a bunch of us gathered around the tetherball toll at, uh, pole at, uh, at Ruth Hill Elementary, and uh, that was fake. That was movie magic. No way will my tongue stick to the pole in sub-zero weather. Oh, no. And it happened. Like oh, the no. kid said, you know, I, no, it won't happen. I bet you, you know, you know how eight-year-olds are. And this kid stuck his tongue. Uh. And then he tried to get it off. And he like ripped his tongue. Uh. And we all took off because we're all cowards and <laughs> he was sitting there bleeding out by the teller bowl there you go pole. and and that was it um as far as other bets go for me i just for the life of me would not do myself justice in the instance of of picking right i mean in, in the freshman year of college well, Florida's going to get right this weekend. Oh, <laughs> here come the Gator. I mean, the, the one year the entire state of Florida sucks in football, I'm on them every weekend. And I didn't have anyone break my legs or my wrists or my ankles or threaten me even. I was able to, to pay off things. But that's it. I mean, it, it wasn't anything super dramatic or, or, or crazy. My brother did bet these Florida fans at the Fiesta Bowl 100 years ago that uh, he bets Nebraska wins by 30 points. In the the infamous ninety five fiesta ninety six fiesta bowl, and these Florida fans got up, paid my brother, and they walked out at halftime. Good for them for paying up. Yeah, well, you know, he's a little junior high kid that they thought oh, I'd be quiet in Nebraska. Uh, and before the guys leave the aisle, my brother's got his hand out, and he got he got paid. Good for him. I, I want to give some credit here to Scott in the stream who chimes yeah. in with his worst bet of all time. He says that he lost $100 betting that an ant could cross the sidewalk in under 10 seconds. And yes, alcohol was involved, according to Scott. That's, that's, a, kind, that's kind of like the I scene. I kind of wish you left that last part out. Yeah, well, uh, Scott, God love you. Thanks for contributing. <laughs> to be fair, though, you like you would think an ant could cross the sidewalk in 10 seconds. That's But then again, you also have the aspect of you can't really control it. An ant goes in a straight yeah. line. If an ant were to go into straight line, I'd make that bet. You just don't know what direction it is. Connor, any any sports wagers or just dumb bets with friends? I mean, I feel like any any player prop I've ever put down, I think that's just kind of stupid at the because those are just so difficult to get right. Anytime home run. Yeah, like I I will say, and one of my roommates, and this actually happened last night. He put together this parlay, and he was, you know, talking about it to all of our friends. And he sent it in the group chat a, a picture of the parlay with a caption "free money," as if he's going to win. The problem is he had West Virginia minus three. Oh! <laughs> and oh. if you watched that game last night or saw it on Twitter, you know what the problem is with that bet and how that game ended. So he's had a couple really bad beats this year. That's one of them. He had That's horrible. He had the West Virginia Penn State game. West Virginia covering. Penn State scored a touchdown with like six seconds left in that game too. I mean, he's just been it. he's been through the ringer. So I, he bets way more than I do. Not that he bets like a crazy amount. I just rarely bet. 
So he's had a couple of bad beats that I've been able to make fun of him about. So I guess th- those are my bad bet experiences as of late. No, no, uh, no tetherball pull and ripped tongue. I can't say that that happened. I'm sure that we did something stupid with like recess football, though, or some. Those games got legit, <laughs> especially with snow on the ground. We started tackling when the teachers weren't looking. That uh-huh. never ended well. Yeah, so. Ripped jeans. See, yeah. I, I got a, a couple of them here. The worst one I ever lost, the worst bad beat, was uh, me and my buddy Jackson. And Jackson, I don't listen to this show occasionally. So, Jackson, if you're out there listening, shoot me a text or something if you remember anything differently here. But this was back to sophomore year of high school, AP World History. Every single Friday, we'd sit down and we would find one of the games in college football that was closely contested. We wouldn't touch the line. It was just straight money line between me and Jackson. And it was 2014. Let's check the math there. Yeah, 2014, Ole Miss against Auburn. It was a top 10 matchup. In Mississippi, I want to say. And Laquan Treadwell was mm-hmm. going in for the what was going to be the game-winning touchdown under two minutes left. And as he's going in to score, he snaps his leg on the two-yard line and drops the football before he scores. And Auburn recovers. Oh. And Auburn wins the football game. I was on Ole Miss that game. Mm. My bet missed because I mean, it was only $10, and we paid each other in quarters every single time as like uh, an FU that we lost. Mm-hmm. So we, we'd gather up the quarters and we'd pay each other in these giant bags of quarters, which was a lot of fun. But that was my worst bad beat of all time. The worst bet, though, I ever made was back in middle school. Uh, at, high, or at recess, we would do half-court bets. And the whole premise of this was two people would, would agree on a bet and you'd each take one half-court shot. If somebody hit the shot, then uh, you would fall victim to that bet. And it was my buddy Jackson who, uh, thank him for his service, he recently just got back from deployment in the Pacific Ocean. So, um... I can't be too mad at him now in, in hindsight, but I was mad at the time because I can't remember what I bet him. I think it was like trying to get a teacher's phone number or something. <laughs> um, and then his bet to me was I had a way around some of the uh, the, the internet blocking capabilities at LPS, um, being wow. the, the tech-savvy middle schooler that I was. Look at you. And he bet me that I'd have to look up some things on a school computer that I really shouldn't be looking up yeah. on a school computer. without that are, that are not legal to look up? Without going any further than that. And uh, he hit his half-court bet. (laughs) (laughs) And I got around the school uh, internet blocking capabilities. So you're not a Welcher is what you're telling us. Oh, they caught my ass so fast. But you you paid your bet. Oh, I paid my bet. And I paid my bet in in almost in-school suspension. Thanks to Mr. McDermott for taking pity on me. I had to call my dad and explain to him why I was in trouble. And Mr. McDermott, principal at, at Irving, he respected that and took mercy on me. It became... 90 minutes of detention for five days in order to, to add up to one full school day of detention. That was a brutal week. Yeah. My dad wasn't happy with me. He made me do so much yard work for the next, like, month. <laughs> he was angry at me. That's um, a real punishment. I did the detention. That was the, the worst bet I ever made and the worst bet I ever lost was, oh, and they caught me so fast, too. So was like, it was Like, within the same day? Oh, no, no. Yes. Oh, I'm talking. I had a, a call down to the office within 30 minutes. Oh, was, wow. it, oh was it over the loudspeaker, dude? Like- no, no. It was the, they, <laughs> they called down to the classroom. It was like, uh, send Elijah Herbal to the office. And like the teacher Did like. Did you turn white getting up from the desk? I, I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. And then I get down to the office and they have my entire internet search history printed oh, off. Oh, no. <laughs> with highlighter. Highlighter <laughs> oh, on certain God. websites that I shouldn't have been on. <laughs> and they uh, like, what is this? I'm like, oh. They were ready Did you for look this? up one or many? <laughs> Yeah, was, yeah a, was there a, a certain good, amount? Um, <laughs> the threshold that you had to meet? <laughs> it was more than one. I'm not going to say the exact number because I don't remember off the top of my head. It was more than one, probably somewhere closer to five or six. Wow. Yeah. Um, not my proudest moment. It's tough. 
Not my proudest moment, that one right there. <laughs> Worst bet I ever avoided making, though, was at the bowling alley. Um, I could say who it was that made the bet, but I won't because I, I haven't gotten permission of him to, to use this. He, he bet me, though, the $100 that I couldn't down a pitcher of beer in 30 seconds, and I was wiser than that. I already had a few at that point. I said, no thanks. Not going to be a sloppy night for me. Well, I don't I, even know if well, I can do it or not. But that's well, the worst like bet that. I ever avoided. Meanwhile, Ferris Bueller's secretary in the movie is going, oh, that was a popular scene, Elijah. <laughs> she looked up. Oh, well done. Well, we'll take some of your worst bets uh, in memory and what'd you do to pay it. Jacob Adela gets us into some football and recruiting. Also big news from the Big Red basketball world. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Get to more of your worst bets made and paid. Elijah Herbal, Cotter Clark, Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity on a Friday, 489-1240. Jacob Padilla joins us at Jacob Padilla underscores where you follow him. Read him with Hale Varsity. Jacob, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Know you're on your way to volleyball. Want to start off, though, with Husker basketball news. Get your reaction and take to Braden Frager, really talented player with Southwest, pulling the trigger with Coach Hoiberg in Nebraska. Yeah, first of all, um, an explosive athlete. Uh, like some, some of the stuff that he's able to do on a court, I haven't really seen much of at this level uh, covering high school basketball in Nebraska. So kid's big, strong, can really jump out of the gym, goes hard to the basket, and he can shoot. He shot 42% um, from, uh, from three during the high school season as a sophomore. Wasn't crazy high volume, but showed that he could, uh, could, could knock down shots. So, um, a guy that has kind of Big Ten measurable, which uh, hasn't always been the case for a lot of kids coming out of Nebraska, where you get some, some good, good high school players, but uh, don't quite have the the size, the athleticism to to earn an offer uh, from Nebraska, creating whatever to play in some of these high major conferences. Berger is a little different than a lot of guys that we've seen in recent years, or the last couple of years at least, and um, I think it's a it's a big gift from Nebraska. For, I think for Nate Lenzer in particular, the assistant who ever since that he's kind of stepped into more uh, more of a hands-on recruiting role, he's, he's done his due diligence. He's invited a ton of guys to campus. He's gone out and watched local kids play in their games. He's followed guys this, during the summer. Um, so he's a guy that really kind of started building building those bridges back up for, for the program. And so now it, it, uh, that effort is paying off with, a, with an early commitment from a talented player right uh, right there in their backyard. Jacob, long-term, what do you think the plan is going to be for Frager and how he's utilized at Nebraska? Because you look at that, that six-foot-six frame, there's a lot you can do there. Do you think he's going to be more of what, what Sam Griesel was to this Husker basketball team last year, being a, a rangy defender at the point spot? You think he's more Siobhan Shields playing off ball and using that athleticism to get to, get to the rim? How do you see him being utilized once he gets on campus? Yeah, I think he's more of a true wing. Uh, he's He's still a little raw uh, in terms of skill set and kind of understanding of the game. At this point, it's kind of more talent than uh, refinement in terms of how he gets things done. Uh, but he does make things happen. So he's a guy that I think is going to fit well into Nebraska's up-tempo system um, where he's really good in the open floor, getting to the basket and finishing. Uh, and he can get downhill and kick it out to shooters as well, just with, uh, again, the force he's able to put on the rim. And if he draws help, he can make that that, that kind of kick, uh, that, that skip pass, 
uh, to the shooters on the weak side um, once he collapses the defense. So um, I, I think that'll be the role for him, kind of more running the wing, play, playing off the ball, um, but a guy that can get to the rim, can flash, and uh, can step out and knock down shots too. Jacob Padilla is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Jacob, this is kind of the latest installment of a string of local guys either coming back to play for Nebraska or committing to Nebraska. What does that mean for this coaching staff being able to secure that local talent, even if they didn't start with Nebraska, they're here now? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Brigger is the first high school uh, scholarship recruit from Lincoln to commit to Nebraska or that, that actually made it to Nebraska, committed and made it to Nebraska, since Jake Muleisen in, in 2001. Obviously, Donovan Williams was committed from head out of Lincoln North Star, but uh, ended up going to Oklahoma State after the, the coaching change. So um, it's, it's been a long time, uh, over two decades, since someone from Lincoln has committed to Nebraska out of high school. And the last couple of years we saw with, with Sam Brethel uh, and then this year with Josiah Alec, They've been able to bring some uh, some hometown kids back into the program as transfers to, to kind of help um, this program really ingratiate itself with the fan base to uh, kind of set that culture that Hoiberg's been trying to instill in the last couple of years here, um, ever since he kind of made some changes in how he's been operating. So um, I think it's just continuing with that. Just, um, like I said, it's good to, to see like that for a guy like Lenzer that's put in the work, seeing it, it rewarded here with, with a talented player. And I mean, you, you want to keep as many in-state kids home as, as possible, and it's even better when uh, that kid is, is from your city and has grown up going to your games, watching your games, uh, and seeing guys like Sam Briso come into the program and succeed. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good spot for Breaker, and it's a good get for Nebraska as well. Jacob, let's talk a little bit about Nebraska as the season's around the corner. What's your outlook for the Big Red this year? You look at the pieces, you, you hear the excitement in Fred's voice, and you just know that they're, they're a different Nebraska from a depth standpoint and also some returning firepower. Yeah, I think it's, it's a more well-rounded team than, than we've seen thus far under Hoiberg. Um, I think they're a little bit more skilled than they were last year in terms of they've got some shooting, some ball handling, things like that. Um, obviously, they've got a little bit more size. We'll have to see kind of plays K to status and how, how that plays out going into the season. But they've been praising a Matar Joe uh, as a freshman for what he brings uh, as well. So that's another option they've got in the front court. Uh, they've got experience. That's a huge thing. College basketball, as we all know, um, they've got a lot of fourth and fifth year seniors and um, guys that have played in the, the program for multiple years. No, oh, do we have you? Is all right. How do they match up with other teams in the big 10 that are also uh, well-rounded and they've got good players and um, are bringing some important pieces back too. So like that's ultimately kind of the question. I think they're going to be a quality team this year. It's just, how do they compare? How do they stack up to the competition? I think they'll do well enough in the, in the non-conference to feel good heading into the Big Ten, and then it, it'll just depend on, all right, which of these other Big Ten teams can they knock off? And that's kind of the, the ultimate question. All right, what, what's the ultimate talent level compared to the Big Ten teams? In terms of putting together a roster, um, I, I think they've done a good job with that. Jacob, we let off this show by talking 
bad bets. Would it be a bad bet to put down a futures bet on this Husker basketball squad to make the NCAA tournament? It does feel like Fred needs to make some progress this season, at least in my opinion. Is it a bad bet to, to get Nebraska in the NCAA tournament, or is, or is there some value there in your mind? Well, I mean, I haven't seen what the actual odds are. I don't know that like that's where I would bet. I mean, I'm sure they, that's kind of like their internal expectations. Like, that's the goal that you always want to set. Like, anytime you go into season, you're talking to kids, hey, we, we think we can get here. Um, where they were last year, too, making the tournament, that's still quite a bit of a jump. Um, I mean, any kind of postseason at all. Like, I mean, even an NIT birth, uh, a better than 500 record, like, that would show progress. That would show that, hey, they're continuing to move forward from where they were a couple of years ago to where they were last year to where they are this year. Um, to make that jump from not just a postseason team but to an NCAA tournament team, that's going to take knocking off some of these uh, top-half uh, teams in the Big Ten. Um, so that's kind of where, where the uh, kind of how it lays out there. Like, I think – They'll be good enough to, to be in the mix for a postseason birth at the end, which would be a good sign. And if you feel like, hey, um, I, these guys, I think they're going to overperform what the expectations are nationally and in terms of what the, the betting market says, then I mean, it's not the worst bet in the world. Like, I don't know that you're throwing away money, but like, I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't pick them to, to make the tournament this year just because the, the Big Ten's so tough. But I, I do think they'll be a postseason. I will also stick with the betting theme, and this is going to be more so of a Big Ten outlook question for you, Jacob. Are you personally going to bet on the favorites, Purdue and Michigan State, or are you putting your bet on the field to win the Big Ten in the regular season? Ooh, well, if you're giving me both those teams, then I'd probably go ahead and go with the favorites. Um, and now if you give me just Purdue against the field, then you probably just have to play the odds there, but... Uh, I, I know people that uh, Purdue has left a bad taste in people's mouths the last couple of years with their postseason performances, but they are they are an absolute monster during the regular season. And it should be better this year with kind of the experience where you the player team and everything they bring back. Obviously, Zach Eady being the most important one there. Uh, and, and we know Michigan State is loaded as well, bringing back uh, most of their teams from last year and adding. Uh, keep either two to that mix as well. So um, I, I think those two probably. I, I haven't necessarily dug deep into every roster in the Big Ten and uh, done that sort of thing yet. But like just off the top, like yeah, if you give me those two versus the field in terms of winning a regular season title, then I, I, I think the favorite about it. Jacob, last thought here about uh, ninety seconds. Let's talk volleyball this weekend. You're headed down to see the Big Red. Yeah, uh, kind of a weird, weird weekend where you're they're facing Michigan State again uh, a week after they, they faced them in East Lansing last week. That's uh, that's a nice match, and they gave them some trouble up there. They they got off to a slow start, but Nebraska rallied to win that in four, and now less than a week later you see them again. And then the night after that is one of the biggest rivalries this, this program has um, with Penn State coming to town. Penn State has established themselves as clearly a top three team in the Big Ten. There are only three teams left that haven't lost yet in conference play, uh, and that would be uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Penn State. Those are the top, the top three offensive and defensive teams in the conference. So um, this will be probably Nebraska's, I mean, not probably, Nebraska's best test uh, of the season outside of Stanford. 
And so on a Saturday night uh, in a packed of Annie, uh, I'm sure it'll be a great atmosphere tomorrow night. So fun weekend of volleyball on that. Jacob, do you like the timing with this matchup with Penn State coming one week before the game that everyone in the state's looking forward to with uh, Wisconsin coming to town? That's the, the one that could have some, some national eyes watching that one as well, one versus two. Does this Penn State game come at a, a, a right time to you to get geared up for that, or do you worry about a possible letdown spot for this Husker volleyball team? Yeah, no, I don't think, uh, I don't think this program is looking ahead to that Wisconsin match at all, knowing just the respect they have for Penn State and kind of the, the way this Penn State team is made, where they added basically two of the best players in the conference from other Big Ten teams with, uh, with Mac Pagaz at setter and Jeff Muzik at outside hitter from, uh, from Michigan. So it, it's a team that I think has Nebraska's full attention. Uh, don't need to worry about them looking ahead, I would imagine, because they know this is the, the next step. Like we, we've seen um, to, to, to win a conference title, they're going to have to go through the, 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 all the top teams, and Penn State is very firmly right there in, in their way for that. Jacob Padilla with us from Ale Varsity at Jacob Padilla underscores where you follow him. He'll have all the volleyball you need. Jacob, great stuff on Husker Hoops, some volleyball, and, and thanks for your time today. Yep, good talking to you guys. There he is, Jacob Padilla. Good stuff can find if you just missed part of that podcast. It'll be posted later, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, we'll dive into some of the weekend matchups and Nebraska's wide receiver production. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Friday edition returns. Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Goddard Clark. So, Brennan chimes in with his worst bet. Uh, worst bet, Javante Williams, comeback player of the year this year. I'm an idiot, Brennan, that's okay. Uh, Brian says betting Eric Gilbert uh, would have been a worse take. Wow. Uh, off the top rope. Brian, happy Jeez. Friday. Uh, Scott, clarifying the ant story, and we started off with your worst bet ever. What did you do? What did you pay? And this is in reference to Elijah contemplating making a trip down to the sports book and putting... Uh, a paycheck on Indiana to cover Michigan tomorrow. The worst bet I was a party to, witnessed, was uh, grade school. The kid went in and thought a Christmas story was fake, i.e. putting a tongue on a tetherball flagpole. And rippage ensued. Uh, Scott wanted us to know that the ant did wonder. Scott bore his soul and said that he bet 100 bucks that an ant could cross the street in a certain amount of time. Uh, Dion wants us to know that betting robs you of hard-earned cash. That is not wrong. <laughs> Only God if love you, you lose. Dion. Only if you lose. If you win, that's giving you free yeah, money, You know right? what they say, like 99% of bettors quit before they hit big. So, <laughs> you know what wow. they say. Uh, Phil chimes in, bet against the Phillies versus the Braves for 2500 I am sorry about that, Phil. <laughs> uh, I, I was cheering for Atlanta last night. Uh, Elijah stopped me from, from putting Junior's College Fund down on Denver to cover the 10 and a half. <laughs> Al, Mac, Al Michaels made it real clear that he, he may have been leaning one way or the other uh, last night at the end of that broadcast. 
Uh, let's talk about betting on Nebraska's wide receivers and uh, what this uh, next month looks like, the bye week and beyond. And also, guys, as you look at Nebraska's schedule, it comes down to it, and I think back to, to Nebraska's last national championship team. The, the defense was absolutely incredible in 1997. There's one game that the offense had to win in a shootout, and it was the infamous miracle in Missouri, where Nebraska had to go to overtime, and there just was no answer for Corby Jones in Nebraska. Uh, in 96, uh, Nebraska's defense was just flat out incredible again, and they carried them much of the season uh, with a new quarterback and, and really a, a transition on offense that, that got good by the end of the year. But the uh, the Big 12 championship game, Priest Holmes and company, upset Nebraska, kept Nebraska from going and playing for a third straight national championship, and Texas won in the shootout 37-27. There's two instances in two seasons where the defense had a, a tough day. Uh, Nebraska's defense has got to be really good every Saturday for Nebraska this season. I think we're all in agreement there. That said, is there a game on the schedule you're worried about Nebraska's defense? And that leads us back to the wide receivers, where Nebraska's passing game and offense is going to have to go win them a football game. Is there a game you see uh, left on the schedule? Northwestern, Purdue, at Sparty, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. The, the easy answer is Maryland. Is Maryland. Yeah. I would actually argue, though, it might be Wisconsin. Okay. With, with what they have in Tanner Mordecai, I know they lost what they had in the two-headed monster uh, with uh, Malusi and Braylon Allen, but guess what? They still have Braylon frickin' Allen. Like, yep. Uh, that's a, a nasty piece of your offense to have, and they've been doing an interesting job trying to get him the ball in space where it's been less run him up the middle, run him up the middle, let him get absolutely killed and worn on as the year goes on. A lot of passes out to the flat to Braylon Allen, some screens. Uh, they've been using him in interesting ways. That Wisconsin offense, it's uh, it's different than what it was in years past, but you can see them kind of hitting their stride as the year they, goes they, on. They're, they're finding more comfort in the, the air raid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, it, and it's looked, it looked bad early. And now they put up 21 points on the road at, at Washington State, but still they're not even close to what they've been even two years ago when they had – Braylon and that run game and, and a less effective quarterback, their defense is still pretty pretty salty. But like what that Wisconsin program kind of reminds me of, maybe more in the long term than in the short term, is what Scott Frost had offensively at Nebraska, which is, hey, no matter who the defense is from across from you, you're going to score some points. You're going to score a lot of points against bad defenses. You might score fewer against really good defenses, but you're still going to be able to put up points. It's kind of what that Wisconsin offense reminds me of as they kind of hit their stride. I think whenever they go up against Nebraska, they're going to score some points, and I think Wisconsin's defense is better than what Maryland has defensively, so I think there's going to be more strain on that Husker offense. The Husker offense might have to put up more points against Maryland than they do against Wisconsin, but I think there's going to be more strain on your offense against Wisconsin because of of just how solid they are on both sides of the football. Can I be honest with both of you for a second? And I need you to don't be, care. I need to be honorable. No, that's <laughs> not true. I well, I think the answer for me is still Maryland. Although I do see what Elijah is mm-hmm. saying, but when I look at the schedule, and I don't know if you want to, you know, go back in your memory bank a couple of weeks when I said uh, Northwestern. Well, no. 
when I said uh, there may not be a, a winnable game left in the Big Ten West. Yeah, that take is aged like milk, and I want to apologize for being wrong because we've, uh, we've talked about that my, behind the scenes, behind your back. My goodness, <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked. Well, okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just, to your credit, the door was shut in the newsroom, so when we were mocking you, you were just there's feet still from a window, us. guys. I can still see you, but <laughs> pointing and laughing. I mean, Remember the fact, the matter of fact is, like, it's amazing what a like two weeks can do for you because. Or a win, and it, well, I didn't. I didn't think that Friday night last week was gonna go. Like, I guess I don't want to say that well, but like it was a multiple score win, and you were pretty much in control the entirety of the game. So that take was is been wrong, and I'm glad that it's wrong, and I will fully admit that it was wrong. I still think it's gonna be Maryland because I don't. I, I think you're gonna have a hard time stopping them. Not that you can't stop them, but that's an offense, and if you've watched Maryland at all. They're they're fun to watch. This mm-hmm. is going to be an offense that applies pressure to the opposing offense. One little mistake, and you could be staring at a uh, well a, a, a number in the loss column against that Terrapin team. So um, I think that's the team that you're going to maybe need to rely on your offense to go win you that game. I think Wisconsin's probably the second best option. Any other game, though, is probably going to be a slugfest. Well, I mean, How, thus far, it's been three games and Nebraska's won. Their defense has done the heavy lifting. Their defense has won the game. The question that we're kind of discussing here in a roundabout way is, can Nebraska's defense alone get them to six? The next three, yes. Yeah, the and next that, three. And that's where the said next, take is aged like milk. No, no, the next three are, are absolutely. Now, what is your defense like? Are they refreshed? Are they renewed? Do you keep getting multiple snaps from multiple guys and have minimal drop-off? Do you get a guy like Singleton and Reimer back? That'll be huge. Do you continue to to get to the quarterback even if you have to blitz and not get beat by the blitz? No, I'm, I'm, I'm on Maryland here, but I don't disagree with Wisconsin being uh, a situation. How, how much do you – can you give up? And we're fast-forwarding past <laughs> these three games that are also losable for Nebraska football if the turnover bug bites. Yeah. So uh, you look at Maryland, and you know how perfect does your defense have to be? I don't think Maryland's defense is great, but I mean that doesn't have to be perfect. Counters against just what's Nebraska's offense going to be, and it's going to come down to what type of balance can you get. And who steps forward catching the football? We'll continue this discussion. We'll talk with Bill Dolman, get his thoughts. Hour two on the way. It's Hale Varsity, and we're powered by your friends at Herd at Sports. Hale Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down hour one, Hail Bar City on a Friday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Vic may have the winner. Vic in Denver, the worst bet, the weekend show starting on time tomorrow. 7.30 tomorrow morning, Vic, bright and early. Bet on 730? it. 7.30? 
That's what, what, what we said odds? last week, isn't it? I, th- I think we said 7.45. I think we moved it up right at the end and said just to, 730? Prove, to prove the haters wrong, we'll be ready This at is exactly why Vic is absolutely correct, because so <laughs> you guys don't even know. <laughs> no, here's, here's what's going to happen. We'll say 7.30 tomorrow morning. Now, the, the bet is, it's a parlay here. All three of us get in, and do we launch at 7.30, Alvar City YouTube channel? Do we launch at 7.30? That's right at 7.30 question. with all three of us. There's not That's plus technical issues. There's not, oh my God, I got to run to the can. There's not Mark <laughs> at a gas station getting coffee. Right. Oh, well, Mark's not been the problem. It's been, <laughs> I'm going to raise both hands here. I mean, I have uh, technical issues uh, from time to time. And both of you just make me laugh when I'm watching on my phone trying to get this thing rebooted. And it, it's, I'm the old guy screaming at the cloud because me fighting technology is, is funny for all. Uh, good stuff from uh, Brandon. Uh, he chimes in when we're talking, you know, what, what game is the offense going to have to go win for Nebraska this second half of the season? Because it, it happens. You have an off day by your strength. And uh, the other side of the football, special teams, offense, or defense has to pick up the slack. Uh, Brandon's like, look, you look at scheduling, and uh, Maryland has to mess with Penn State the week before. So that's all good. I know that when you look at Nebraska's schedule towards the uh, the end, uh, Minnesota uh, is in the bag, but they're stretched down the, uh, the rest of the year for the West. They could play spoiler unless they come up off the mat. I know Purdue has to play Ohio State before they come to Lincoln. So that is never a bad thing when a couple of heavyweights are going to tool away at uh, the team you're playing the week before. So. Does Maryland get Penn State at home? I don't remember. Can somebody fact check? Let's look it up. I would also like to add another thing that could benefit Nebraska in that game is potential November weather in Nebraska. Sure. Wind. Wind would be really cool that Snow. Saturday. Uh, it is Penn State at Maryland. Okay followed up by Maryland at Nebraska and then Michigan at Maryland. So imagine an unbeaten... Really? They get both of them at home? They yeah. Both, wow. Well, they, they already went on the road to Ohio State That's and true. lost by 20. Mm-hmm. So. And they were in it in the first half. Man, uh, it's so crazy how much worse the Big Ten East is to play in the Big Ten West right now. Oh, my goodness. Maryland would win the Big Ten West most likely right now. This Easily. Probably, and, and they're probably going to go 0-3 against Penn State, Michigan, <laughs> and Ohio State. They're going to be the... Portraits. They're going to be 10-3... and three. And uh, yeah. no sniff of, of anything except, I mean, they're not even going to get a consideration Ten- for, I'm saying, with a bull win. You, but you're forgetting that they have to go on the road and play Nebraska. Nine and four. Sure. The, it's a bye week. Goliath. I'm going to say that now. <laughs> Don't pull this tape back up <laughs> yeah. in three weeks. <laughs> We're going to help Connor out with that that uh, take that aged like milk here in a little bit. <laughs> Hour two coming up. It's Bill Dolman next. Where's the perfect place to go for lunch every day? Heard at Sports Bar and Grill. Where can you watch all of your favorite college and professional sports all season long? Heard at Sports. Now with Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back in, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity, powered by Herdat Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Give us a find on Twitter, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Follow that, watch the show there. Hale Varsity YouTube is where you can watch the show. So what is that? Is that? Bill, turn off your speaker. Billy Dolman. This is wonderful. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got this for you. I got, got it. it. I got it. Elijah's yeah. fixing it. Okay. It should be I love fixed. It. Okay. And it is. This, we, has we been a, this has been a rough minute of just production value. That's all right. right At least it's early, <laughs> right? And uh, you got us now? Well, he's no? not going to be able to hear us now, I don't think. Yeah, no yeah. earbuds? Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. He, Bill, you, you can turn your speaker on. I, I worked some magic. Say something. Blink twice. Can I? Can you yeah, hear me? We, we, Is this thing on? We've, we've got you. <laughs> That's glorious. I love it. A lot to get into with uh, with Bill Dolman. So we were talking worst bets. What was the bet, and what did you pay? Uh, and uh, Steve off the top rope on Twitter. Uh, his take is the bet that Chris Schmidt abstains from an adult beverage for 24 hours. <laughs> he knows my Friday habits well. And uh, his take was this, Nebraska needing to have the offense step up against Iowa to, uh, to beat them. Bill, we'll, we'll get there in a moment. What game is the offense going to have to win in these next six for Nebraska, not just stay out of the way? But I'm sure there were some glorious bets Ooh. that went on growing up in the greater metro area of Fairbury, Nebraska. Is there a bet a wager, college that you had to you had to pay Piper on. Maybe it was an exorbitant sum, or you had to uh, to race down Main Street with your shirt off. Whatever the case may be, all their bets were about hot dogs. Okay, and how many you could eat? <laughs> that was a little, that was an elbow. Wow. You know, you usually those bad bets are made in college, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing there was probably something having to do with uh, drinking something out of a garbage can with a, you know, that, that to me, that there probably was something in there. Uh, I bet you can't and you did and you shouldn't have. <laughs> I, I think, I think that was, and that was a whole life ago too, but I, I think there was probably some type of bet about drinking something, some concoction that had who knows what in it. Uh, and I'm not the only one that would have those kinds of flashbacks. Speaking of college bets, I know some people back in college who made some bets on the fact that the girl they met freshman year was the one for them and they were going to spend their whole life together. And those oh, those no. bets didn't go well for them. tale as old as time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't want to go there either, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, you know, the, the thing about, you know, making a bad bet in college is you, you, you probably don't remember like me right now, remember what it was. was you bet on and what, and what you lost because you didn't remember it in the morning. Right. Very fair. So I was asking junior because allegedly he has snaked his way and I'm going to completely out him. Uh, onto some app that allows him to to wager, and and I'm Hypo- sure, hypothetical hypothetically, money. yes, yeah, yeah. yes, of course. Uh, and yeah, he's like, well, if you use it, Dad, make sure you use my promo code so I get credit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what is he going to Iowa? I, I, oh, wow. wow, he has not narrowed down his college choices yet, Bill. But this may, this may narrow like them down significantly. We may, yeah. we may have a front runner. Yeah. His I mean, if he's, he's going to do that, then you know he can't go to he can't cross the border to the east, right? Well, we we, um, now, we now have an alibi. Why didn't you make baseball, son? <laughs> Gambling. So <laughs> it's an NSAA suspension. Yeah. <laughs> Preemptive. <laughs> <laughs> Preemptive. No, I, I said NSAA, not NCAA. No, I said NSAA. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, Bill, let's get yeah. let's get to football here, brother. And all right, if you're going to circle the game, I think Connor and I are thinking Maryland, just because of, of what they've been this year offensively, and that's the, a game that that Nebraska could could struggle in or be a little more mortal. Uh, and Elijah had a good point about the offense and, you know, the wide receiver talk. Wideouts needing to step up, some young players, the passing game in general having to get better. As you look at these next six, winnable and losable for the, the, the most part, is it Maryland for you? Or you think it's, there's another candidate out there where it's going to be a situation where, okay, the defense is getting bludgeoned a la Missouri in 97. Offense had to go win it, right? Well, I, I think maybe, you know, one of the dangerous games remaining for Nebraska is is Purdue um, because I don't think we know a whole lot about them. Uh, they do have a, you know, a defensive-minded coach over there now, um, and but they did a number on Illinois, but what what does that say? But that might be a game, you know, it's that, that mid-season lull-type game when we would always play Missouri or – in the Big 12, but also a Texas Tech or something where things just seem a little bit off. Uh, that might be one where, uh, you know, Nebraska's offense is going to have to step up. I'm not, I, again, I'm not sure we're going to see, you know, the, the defense with a performance like we had against, we saw against Michigan because Michigan is just a different animal, but I think that defense learned its lesson. Uh, we saw that against uh, Illinois. You know, you look ahead down toward the end of the season with Nebraska and Maryland, uh, I would concede that that's going to be a, a challenge that, that could be a, a challenging game. But you would hope that by that time, with it being in November, at home game, that they have some things sorted out offensively. That maybe those uh, those young pup wide receivers, you know, have a little dog in them, right? And uh, they they're starting to make some catches. And it's not just, you know, look, we got to look for Fedoni because he's the guy. Maybe Malachi Coleman or Doss or Lloyd, you know, those guys are starting to figure it out a little bit more. You would hope that by the time you get to that point in the season, the offense you know, is not, it is not searching as much as it is right now, that it has evolved into something that people are comfortable with and comfortable running and comfortable taking a chance and making a big play. So yeah, Maryland, that it, it might be the toughest uh, test, test left at home. And I got Iowa. I understand that. And Iowa's got a good defense, but I would hope by the time we get to November that that offense is at least, you know, grown. Bill Dolman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. It's Bill Dolman again with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. I was trying to find this stat here in terms of total offense, Bill. And Nebraska, they're pretty far down the list in terms of total offense this year. Uh, let's pull it up here. It's somewhere in the 90s for the Huskers. 
I wish I had that off the top of my head, but I don't. But what do you think a, a reasonable finish to the year would be for this Husker football team? Because they're currently averaging 342 yards per game of total offense, and uh, that is good for... 19 points per game from the offense. That is what the offense is doing right now. Iowa's offense is averaging more points than Nebraska. And if you're just looking specifically in terms of points per game, Nebraska is near the bottom of the pack. They're just below Illinois and just above Bowling Green. So that's where Nebraska's at in terms of points per game. What would be a healthy total of points per game if you throw out the first six games? Just in the final six games, what does Nebraska's offense need to put up a game uh, for, for this team to be successful and go bowling? I'm I'm more concerned not so much with with what can that offense generate in terms of point totals. I'm more concerned that that offense holds on to the freaking football <laughs> because that's what's kept Nebraska off the scoreboard. Way too many turnovers in the first part of the season seems to you know be nothing has stopped Nebraska's offense more than Nebraska's offense. You know if you can get those turnover numbers down. Maybe you have one turnover in the fourth quarter against Illinois instead of three in the final, what, three possessions? You put 14 more points on the board or at least 10 more points on the board with that short field. You know, that's the problem. It's not their inability to to score points. It's been their inability to hold on to the ball. And that's what's prevented them from scoring. Uh, so if you can hold on and limit the turnovers, perhaps those point totals will go up. Perhaps those yardage numbers will go up. I'm not if the Nebraska defense, and I think for the most part against Illinois, you know that defense was forcing turnovers, or special teams came up with that recovery on on the kickoff. That was a short field, and they took advantage. They scored on the very next play. So the defense turn over the football. Give Nebraska the short field, you know, in, on the other side of the 50 and make it a 40-yard drive. Okay, I don't care how many yards they get as long as it results in seven or three. But hold on to the ball. That's the problem for Nebraska's offense right now. And that stops drives and you can't get any rhythm. You can't get, you know, maybe work somebody else into the passing game besides Fedoni. You've got Marcus Washington, the most reliable receiver they've had for the most part on the wide outside. He's gone now. But if you limit the turnovers, the yards and the points will come. That's what I'm most concerned with with this, with this football team. And the end of the Illinois game was scary. Right. But you had a defense that was willing and able and eager to go shut Illinois down and get the win. Look, I agree. I think that if you hold on to the football, I think Nebraska probably wins like 31 to 7. I don't know if I'm ready to say that the offense scores more than that in that game, but obviously there's definitely a, a point differential differential there. My question to you, Bill, is we were talking about how horrible my take was from the other week about saying there's no longer a winnable game uh, on Nebraska's schedule in the West Division. I've come out and said that that was wrong, and I, I think that's pretty clear. So, in your estimation, in the next three games, Northwestern, Purdue, and Michigan State, what is Nebraska's record in those next three games? It could be 3-0. and It could easily be 3-0. and You've got... You've got Northwestern, who barely beat Howard. Uh, Purdue coming to town. You've got Michigan State in disarray. 
Why shouldn't they be three and zero? Because they don't hold on to the football. Well, exactly. But they 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 certainly could with that defense be three and zero. I know they've got significant injuries offensively. Uh, running backs who are learning learning the position. You've got wide receivers, you know, who are learning how to play college football. But with a defense that has been as good as Nebraska's defense has been, and you have two of the next three at home and a road game against a Michigan State team that has people transferring, they're looking at the portal, they're losing their NIL money, they don't know who their next coach is going to be, uh, their, their attention is elsewhere. That's a game – I don't think Michigan State and Illinois are comp- – well, I think Illinois is just not very good, but Michigan State is, is kind of wayward right now. But those are both road games. Nebraska should win this year that I don't think they would have won a year ago. Right? I think, I think Matt Rule has those guys believing, especially after Illinois, that they can win. And I don't think that necessarily Nebraska's had that kind of confidence the last couple of years that they can go on the road and win a game. Now they're looking back at Minnesota saying, yeah, we should have won that one too. Yeah, you should have. You didn't get that done. You didn't get it done in Colorado. But I think they've got the confidence that they can win on the road that they haven't had before. So I, I don't see why they can't be 3-0 and with that schedule. Bill Dolman's with us, Sale Varsity Radio, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, what would you think of the – reality series that Nebraska's just dropped. I think it was Thursday night where you had some excerpts from, from Matt Rule and Coach Ron Brown. The The first two episodes came out. Uh, GB Rewind is what it's titled. I'm sure you've seen on social media Rule's comments to the squad before Northern Illinois. Then also Ron Brown with the Brooke Behringer uh, Award uh, that he presented. Well, it, you know, Matt Rule reminded me of our uh, Average Joe Sports Show uh, pregame routine. You know, that's that's kind of what we do before we get ready to do our podcast. You know, if we die, we die. Um, but, Hold no you know, is that because you're going to say something it, wrong or like why? <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm, I am so impressed with, you know, with Nebraska. If you go over the years of, of the place of, of, of things that have been innovative in athletics and where Nebraska has been at the forefront of, you know, life skills for student athletes, um, diet, nutrition, sports psychology. Nebraska has been at the forefront. Husker Vision and in-house production. And this rea- this show that they put together is, is just incredibly well done. Uh, we did we did something with Tim Miles when we were at the Mountain West Network that we got incredible access to to Tim won an Emmy with it, mm. um, and you know people have learned that you've got to you've got to market your programs really well. Nebraska just does it, you know, really but at a at a very very high level in terms of production quality, the shots, the editing, and they've got a coaching staff that understands you have to do that in this day and age. I mean, congratulations to them. That that they're, that's you know that's a, that's an award-winning product that they have that they put together, and I I really respect that. And you know you have to do it these days, and Nebraska's doing it as well or better than anybody else. And Bill, whenever Kevin Durant goes and uh, quote tweets Matt Rule's speech, generating eight million views, I think the social media team has done their job. If you're getting that kind of engagement on a speech like that, yeah. 
I mean, good on him. And you know, I was thinking, though, when I heard Matt Rule say, you know, give his speech and just get more amped up and more amped up and more amped up, you know, and they were comparing it to Herb Brooks. I was thinking back to one of, you know, I think before we played um, Florida in the in the Fiesta Bowl in 1996, I think Coach Osborne got before his team and, and read a passage from uh, uh, the Bible from Timothy for god has not given us a a spirit of fear and timidity but one of love and purpose and of sound mind go get them boys (laughs) 62 24 later yeah Uh, you know to each his own and and, you know you you play the cards you you know you that you can but tom was certainly a little bit different wired differently than matt rule but you know they both are kind of cut from the same uh, preacher's cloth i guess it was not quite the christian peter christmas ornament pre-michigan state speech no and i was there for that too but uh yeah we'll hit hit that next episode (laughs) (laughs) i just can't imagine tom getting up there you know saying if we die we die Uh, i love it i mean if he did if he did it would have been much more professorial than preacher Bill, uh, we'll talk next week. Bud, appreciate you jumping on with us. All right, boys. Go Big Red. Enjoy your bye week. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Bill Dolman. Podcast will be up a little bit later tonight. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a subscription. Tell us what you think. Review it. It's all good. The Hale Varsity Radio show at H Varsity Radio on Twitter, Hail Varsity YouTube, formerly of Hail Varsity, and it's covering uh, the Pac-12 now. Saturdays out west. Derek Peterson, Doctor Petey, back with us. Doctor Petey, uh, your your old pal Kevin Durant uh, found his way to uh, to a Matt Rule speech, and the rest of Twitter has gotten to see it. How you doing, man? It's been a while. Man, what a uh, what a what a collision of. Of loves for me. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not ready to die for Matt Rule. I will give him a pinky, maybe a maybe an insignificant toe. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to die for Matt Rule yet, but man, that was something. He's uh, that was something. And, and the the comments I've seen online from some people who aren't Husker fans is this, man. Being prepared to die before you play Northern Illinois seems a bit dramatic. And then the people come to the defense and say, you know what? He's trying to make a dramatic change in that program. Sometimes you need stuff like this when you're trying to make a dramatic dramatic change. That's kind of the side I'm sitting on is, yeah, it's a little dramatic to say you're pre- prepared to die before you go play Northern Illinois. Yeah, sure. But it's a it's a completely different type of mentality shift that Matt Rule's trying to instill in the program. That's kind of what you need whenever you're, you're trying to do something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's the same with, you know, every time we see a three-game speech from a college football coach before a game, the, the people that aren't really inundated in it are like, this is cringy. And then the people who, you know, I, I was sitting there at my desk getting kind of goosebumps listening to it. I'm like, man, okay, I'll fire up for this. Like, if you're in the moment, you know, sometimes it, it takes what it takes. Um, he, I, he's great. Like, I, think I, you know, I just kind of nod my head in agreement every time I listen to him talk. Well, and you know things have flipped around. At least Nebraska is at three and three. Uh, tell us about your experience checking in on the the Pac-12, the drama, the last hurrah. But what a season so far it's been for the league, not only with quarterbacks, but all the the ranked squads and a big one tomorrow in Seattle. Man, it's um, I can't wait for that game. Uh, talking about Oregon and Washington, I think that's going to be 
the Pac-12 title game. Um, conference doesn't have divisions this year, so looking at a potential rematch for those two teams, I think that's what happens. Not a believer in USC. I think the way things stand right now, I think whoever wins that game tomorrow in Seattle is, is probably sitting pretty for a spot in the college football playoff. Um, SEC looks a little down. I don't think Michigan is going to struggle with Ohio State. But maybe you get you know, one team from each of the four conferences in the playoffs. That's what happens with Oklahoma. But, yeah, the Pac-12 has been, um, it's been very entertaining this year, both, both on and off the field, because you've got courtroom dramas going on with Washington State and Oregon State and the Pac-2 and all that kind of nonsense. Um, but, you know, Michael Penix Jr. has been absolutely fantastic with Cam DeBoer and with Ryan Grubb at Washington. Oregon, I thought before the season, Oregon had a team that was going to challenge for the college football playoff. And I think there's certainly a complete enough football team to, to threaten for that. Um, USC is always fun because Lincoln Riley continues to do the exact same thing, expecting different results. <laughs> UCLA has the best defense in the country that nobody knows about. Uh, and then you've got like Washington State, who is very fun to watch. And then Utah, which has a new guy getting hurt every single week and is just an absolute bear to watch on offense. It's painful getting through their games. Um, the last year for the conference, and it couldn't be any more entertaining. Yeah, and, and Derek, whenever you think about a team that plays like they're willing to die on any given Saturday. It feels like that Utah squad because anything that can go wrong has gone wrong, and yet they're still sitting at number 16 in the country and at 4-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're 16th in the country. Um, their defense was, was awesome through the first uh, four games. Just completely shut down UCLA, open conference play. Um, they got you know, a guy in Jonah Ellis who leads the country in sacks. They're really good, but I, I just kind of wonder at what point does like enough become, or does, does too much become too much for them? I mean, they have a different guy going out in the lineup every single week. The quarterback Cam Rising who came out and publicly shared that uh, his knee injury was wasn't just an ACL tear. He just completely blew his knee out, um, tore three or four different ligaments in that knee, and. Um, you know, it, it, that's like, they, to me, feel like a Big Ten team so much more than somebody like Washington does <laughs> just because of the fact that, you know, Kyle Whittingham is going to do his thing. They're going to play tough. They're going to play defensive-minded football. And they're just going to kind of try to get by on offense. Um, yeah, and they've been, uh, he's a great coach. and He's doing a, a doing his best game this year with all the injuries. I mean, they got, you know, the number one running back is, is hurt. Their number two and number three running backs are out for the season. Their number one quarterback hasn't played. Their number one pass catcher hasn't played. Their top defensive end hasn't played. Uh, and then they're just losing guys left and right when they, you know, when they kick the games off. So it's, it's, it's impressive what Whittingham is doing with them. Derek Peterson is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. I want to go to another team in the Pac-12 that I really enjoyed watching this week, or not this week, this year, um, in Washington State. I know they lost last week to UCLA, yeah. which was kind of surprising to me, but as somebody who isn't watching the Pac-12 as religiously as the Big Ten, maybe not surprising to others, but what have you made of the Cougars so far this year? Yeah, I mean, offensively, 
this is what I expected from Cam Ward a year ago. It took him, it took him a year to really make the the transition mentally from where he was at Incarnate Word, playing at the FCS level to playing at the, the Pac-12 level, playing at the FPS, Power 5 level, whatever you want to call it. Um, when he got pressured last year, and he got pressured a lot, they had one of the poorest offensive lines in the country, he made mistakes. He threw interceptions and he forced balls. And the biggest change with him this year is what moved them into, you know, the top 15 team going into UCLA. He had Heisman buzz. I think he's going to continue to have Heisman buzz. He'll probably take someone down at home. Um, he's just making better decisions with the football. Um, he's still getting pressured. I mean, UCLA got after him a ton a week ago. But, again, they've done that to everybody. I, you know, I said they've got the number one defense in the country. Um, he's, he's just he's playing really smart football. And I think the moves that they've made offensively um, around him to bring in some, you know, some receiver talent, get him some help. He's being protected a little better. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team that is is definitely capable of beating anyone on any given Saturday in the Pac-12, and that's kind of what's going to happen this year. I mean, they beat, you know, they beat Oregon State at home to open Pac-12 play. Uh, they lose to UCLA on the road. Oregon State beats Utah. Um, just going to kind of be a murderer's row when you have to go on the road in the conference this year. Um, and I, I think Washington State is going to get someone because they're, I think they are a legit top 15 team because of the combination of quarterback and their defense has been getting better and they're able to get after you a little bit once they get a lead. What's Lanning brought to Oregon? Well, number one, he's brought the, we're going to recruit, you know, the SEC guys. I mean, that, that certainly helps. Their number one cornerback is a former Alabama guy. Um, one of their top receivers is a former Alabama guy. Jordan Birch came to them from South Carolina. Um, somebody in, a, in an athletic story uh, from Antonio Morales, I believe it was published this morning, um, somebody, an anonymous Pac-12 staffer, said they are looking like and recruiting like an SEC team, and I would, I would agree with that. I mean, they've been the best recruiting team in the Pac-12 for five years now, for a long time now, um, and so they're, you know, the quality of depth that they have on that roster is, is just going to be a little bit different from the rest of the league. But I think what Landing has brought is is an SEC mentality, just sort of across the board. Um, they are a much more complete football team this year. They are a much more focused football team this year. Um, I think they're going to win on Saturday. And I think that they, you know, if, if you ask me, they might pick to make the college football playoff out of the Pac-12 group right now. Um, I just think there's a, there's a focus to this team this year that they didn't necessarily have last year. Um, there's a defensive identity that they didn't necessarily have last year. Um, and I think, you know, I think Lanning's time at Alabama with Nick Saban, Lanning's time uh, at Georgia with Kirby Smart. I mean, you know, you don't coach under those guys and take nothing away from them. Um, I think they're going to be a very, very – they're going to be a really tough team for schools whenever they get to the Pac-12 or when they get to the Big Ten, excuse me. I think it's going to take USC some time. I think it's probably going to take Washington some time. Um I feel like Oregon could probably just slot right in and there's going to be some transitional stuff happening there, but 
I think they're going to be able to come right in and just, you know, hold their own right away because of the talent that they have on that roster from years of recruiting and then because of the mentality that Lanning brings to that group of just, you know, we're going to focus on us, we're going to get better every single day, and we're just going to beat the crap out of other people. <laughs> Derek, you talk about that, that transition to the Big Ten. Let's quickly go to USC and Lincoln Riley. We have about 90 seconds left here. What is USC's transition to the Big Ten going to look like? Do you see Lincoln Riley changing who he is just a little bit? And then as a side note, what do you make of their matchup with Notre Dame this weekend? Well, he hasn't changed who he is to this point in his career. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what has to happen for him to do it now, right? Like he, he held media this week and sort of said that he thinks media members had a preconceived notion of the defense this year and the second adversity hit, they said, ah, oh, this is why you should have made a change. Well, yeah, because everybody knew what the defense was going to be heading into this year. They're not physical <laughs> enough. They're not, you know, they're not fundamentally sound. They're not in the places that they're supposed to be. They're not playing. They're certainly not playing Big Ten defense. They're not playing championship level defense right now. And instead of you know talking about the the ways that they need to get better, or you know making a change this past off season because all of us saw that that was what was needed, he ran it back and said that he trusted Alex Grinch and said that. You know, now we can show improvement and we can do this. And Lincoln Riley said that he knows better. And, you know, I mean, cost him a playoff game uh, at Oklahoma. He didn't make the playoff last year. They didn't win a bowl game last year. They didn't win the conference title last year. I don't know if they get to the conference title game this year. Um, And he's going to have arguably one of the, what, five or ten greatest players in the history of college football playing for him, Caleb Williams. Um, the dude's amazing, and I think he's kind of going to be wasted. Um, I think they beat Notre Dame this weekend because Notre Dame looks tired, but I don't know if they can get through Oregon and Washington and UCLA. That's a run. Dr. Petey will get caught up again Saturdays down south with uh, Derek Peterson at Dr. Petey on Twitter. Bud, thanks for catching up with us. Hey, it was great to hear from you. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, Saturday's Out West. Good to hear from him. Great uh, Pac-12 preview and rundown. We'll get him back on again. It, it was good to have him back in that Friday 525 time slot. Because yes. he used to be the, the mainstay Saturday or Fridays at 525 for years and years. And he picks up the new gig out west, and he does a great job clearly covering the Pac-12, but it was just nice to have that that taste of old, I guess, if you will, getting Derek back on in his normal time slot. Love it. Well, it is Friday forecast, and this has been an ongoing adventure for years, and we really need to pool our money together. We talked about bad bets, and thank him for his time, uh, but not necessarily making bad bets. I think he nailed Illinois last Friday. Clausburn said 20-7, to 7. Nebraska, and lo and behold, it happened. Uh, we've got a slew of games, but no Nebraska to pick from today. Claus, what'd you do with your uh, your crystal ball, my friend? Good work last Friday. Well, that was certainly pretty exciting. I've got it put up on the shelf. I just noticed I've been uh, trying on and <clears throat> trying to fit into my tuxedo for a wedding this weekend. Now, mind you, I'm not invited to one, but with the bye week, I figure there's probably about 50 or 60 to choose from to just walk in and take advantage of the meal. So 
That's what I'll be doing with my time. And I'm glad to see Claus putting the, the crystal ball in a place of honor because it's not his first time receiving a shipment of crystal this week, but usually it goes other places. Wow. Yeah. Elijah is the one yeah. who knocks. That's what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to the forecast. Clausburn, he's imaginary and wears red. It's forecast time. Well, let's start off. It's not quite 33 points, Indiana and Michigan. It's UMass and Penn State with Nittany Lions minus 41 and a half. Uh, I think just for fun, James Franklin is going to go throw it deep and throw it deep often to uh, – to embarrass a reporter. Kidding. Uh, Penn State will dominate. They may shut out UMass. Number one defense in the country. Nine points a game with uh, Manny Diaz. Penn State, 49-0. nothing. I'll call that out right now. What do you say, Elijah? Yeah, I think it's a domination as well. I don't have the cover for Penn State, though. I do have the shutout, though. 38 nothing. The Nittany Lions get the win. All right. Connor? Yeah, I'm kind of on the uh, same wavelength as you, Schmitty. I'm going to go – I'll go a step further. I'll say 52 to nothing. Penn State dominates. Okay. Claus, what happens here, Penn State or UMass? Well, when you sent me this game to look into, I had to do kind of a double take. You had said UMass and Penn, and then I looked it up, and it's UMass and Penn State. And I thought, boy, it's kind of late in the year for a weird non-conference game, but I suppose I'll leave it to Penn State to take advantage of someone smaller and weaker well past the time when you'd think it'd be appropriate. So I'll take Penn State in this one, 45, and UMass 3. 45 to 3, Penn State. And Elijah thought the crystal thing was too far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Happy Friday. Moving on. How about them Bears? Uh, (laughs) Oregon at Washington. Huskies minus three. I was leading Washington, listening to Dr. Petey. Made me sway back to Oregon. I think landing in that Oregon physicality. Uh, is the difference. I think you're going to get some points. Oregon outright 31-28. Elijah. Oregon outright 38-34. I was leaning Oregon. Dr. Petey solidified it for me. I think the physicality does it for Oregon. Love Dan Lanning. 38-34 the Ducks. What do you say, Connor? As much as I liked watching Oregon earlier this year against Colorado, I'm going to give the edge to Washington at home. I think they end up winning. It's going to be a close game. I don't even know if they cover. I'm going to go with a field goal game. 37-34 Huskies win it at home. Okay. Claus, what happens here? Ducks or Huskies? Well, first of all, if you thought that last one was bad, just wait till we move this show to the Howard Stern channel. (laughs) (laughs) I was under the impression that I wasn't going to have to care about Oregon or Washington until next season. So... I really don't know a whole lot about either of these teams other than Oregon took care of old prime time. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, 35 and Washington 28. A&M at Tennessee. Tennessee looking for a little bounce back. Uh, that one loss to Florida really shook them up. Uh, A&M uh, had a shot, couldn't close it against Bama at uh, Psychoville where Finkel's the mayor. Uh, Tennessee's minus three at home. I like Tennessee by a touchdown. Uh, 31 to 24. Give me the Vols. Give me Rocky Top. Uh, I think AM is a good football team, but they just keep on shooting themselves in the foot. Where have we seen this story before? Uh, I think Texas AM is going to give Tennessee all they can handle, but Tennessee pulls it out late. 28 to 27, a cover for AM, but a win for Tennessee. 
Connor. I think Tennessee ends up winning. It's probably going to be a close game throughout, and then Tennessee gets a late score. I'll go 31-21 Vols. Okay. Claus, what uh, what do you like here, Rocky Top or Gigum? Well, I think Jimbo Fisher, if he's able to make it in Knoxville in time, he's been uh, working that governor pretty hard to get all these reprieves. So if he can make it to Knoxville from Austin, I think A&M might actually end up standing a chance in this one. But ultimately, I've got to go with my gut and say Tennessee 28 and the Branch Davidians 24. Okay. Uh, USC, Notre Dame, touchdown Jesus, 18 years to the day with the Bush push. And uh, SC's been struggling. Notre Dame, what a stretch they're part of. And uh, give me the Irish at home. Uh, just when you think you count them out, I think Notre Dame punches back. Give me Notre Dame 31, USC 28, a push. That's no fun, but Notre Dame wins to me on the strength of home field. Elijah. I've got USC winning this one outright, despite what Dr. Feedy said last segment. I think Caleb Williams, he's just the best player in college football. I think uh, whenever you have a guy like that, you can ride him a little bit. Give me USC 34 and Notre Dame 28. Notre Dame scores some points, but not enough. Connor. Yeah, I think Sam Hartman just needs to be better. I got USC winning this game here this weekend. I'm going to go USC 35 and Notre Dame 31, a shootout. Claude's what happens here, Irish or Trojans? Well, I had heard at one time that this rivalry, the Notre Dame-USC rivalry, which is, of course, one of the great ones in college football, was started because Newt Rockney got tired of a rivalry with Nebraska because of the treatment they were receiving for being Catholics in Lincoln. I don't think this Lincoln's going to treat them any better. Give me USC 31 <laughs> and Notre Dame 17. That was a good one. That was good. Well played. Was well played. Uh, let's try and... Claus, we've got two more picks in us. you got uh, a couple minutes on the other side. Well, I suppose that'll be fine. All right. Claus going to hang tight. We'll preview Miami, North Carolina coming up here shortly in Iowa, Wisconsin. Friday forecast. Get the podcast. As always, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go for Hale Varsity Radio. You can watch the show on YouTube, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Give the show a follow as well at H Varsity Radio and can find Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence on Twitter. Connor Clark, C underscore Clark underscore 27. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Redwine chimes in with Oregon. Uh, talking about that Oregon physicality. And that's when Chris Stobel was there. When they ran for uh, ran and passed for 400 yards, that road win on Ohio State a couple years ago. Well, you ago. have more chances to get rushing yards if you don't take knees. That's true. We'll get into that. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday edition. Hale Varsity powered by Herdad Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Weekend edition will start tomorrow, Vic, at 7.30. 5, 7.35. 7.35. <laughs> Still don't back. know. We Sometime after 7.30 a.m. Central, uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Let's, let's, let's lock it in. We'll all be on our computers at 7.30, and we'll start at 7.35. Okay. Sounds good. Five-minute warm-up period. Let's get back to the forecast. As Clausburn with us? Imaginary, he wears red. As uh, we have laid out our picks for the weekend. We get to Miami at North Carolina. 
minus three Tar Heels. Give me Miami outright. It's been a week for Mario Cristobal. The U's talented. I know I know Carolina's good, but I just think maybe if there was um, something to change the conversation, uh, this would do it. Give me the U, uh, 24-21, outright at Carolina. Yeah, uh, North Carolina, they're undefeated on the year thus far, Schmitty, but in terms of tests, they haven't really had one. Minnesota maybe is up there. South Carolina maybe is up there, but uh, a relatively untested North Carolina team. This is their first big test, and I worry that Miami's going to punch them in the mouth. I think North Carolina prevails in this one in a close game. They cover just barely 28-24, to 24, North Carolina gets the win. All right, Connor. I always think every single year, and this year is no different, that Miami is one of the biggest frauds in the country every single season. I don't think it's any different now. Give me North Carolina 35-28 to 28 over the Canes. We got both of you going with Mac Brown. Claus, what happens here, Carolina or Duke? Let me check that, Carolina or Miami. Well, this is another game where I'll admit I don't know a whole lot about either team other than apparently game management is really bad down in Miami. So, as is the fool's folly, I just looked at common opponents and realized they hadn't played anybody the same yet this year. So, I fall even further back and I see that North Carolina is now 1-0 and against the NCAA. Whereas I don't think Miami's ever defeated them outright. So I'll take the Tar Heels in this one, 24, and Miami, 21. All right, 24, 21. Push. Push. We head to Madtown, Wisconsin, Iowa. Game of the year in the Big Ten West for the outright lead. Two uh, teams that are in pole position. Give me Wisconsin. Give me Wisconsin because, well, their offense has a heartbeat, a running game, despite a transition, and the defense good enough for Wisconsin to get the win 17-10 to 10 over Iowa. So no cover. No cover. It's at nine right now. Outright win for Wisconsin, but no cover. Hawks cover on the road. I just think Iowa's offense is not good enough to, to do much in this one. Wisconsin's defense isn't what they used to be, but I think they have a little bit more offense this year, enough to score some points on Iowa. I have Wisconsin winning this game by a final score of 24-13, to 13, a win in cover for the Badgers. All right, Connor? Yeah, this is going to be ugly. I think the Badgers are going to win by a touchdown. I'll go 21-14, Whiskey. Claus, what happens? Well, I'm a little concerned that Iowa's going to get way too distracted throwing the challenge flag because as soon as they see Wisconsin try to throw the ball or gain more than five yards, at a time, they're going to think they're doing something illegal. You're not supposed to be able to do that. So I think Wisconsin takes this one. Final score of 7-3. to 7-3. Three. to three. I love you it. You might not be wrong. I love it. Claus, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Okay. There he goes. Claus burn off into the night. Tomorrow morning, 7.35, weekend edition. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Have a great night. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.